Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. Simply Christmas. We've been talking about just the simple things about Christmas. And, uh, you know, this season that we're in is really, over the years, the church has established a series of themes that sort of summarize the gospel, the first coming of Christ, but also to recognize that these themes carry us into our everyday lives. And so uh, we've been looking at uh, hope, peace, joy, and this morning, love. Hope is established through the great and precious promises. That's where we started. And everything that we know about who Christ is, everything we know about uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is rooted in Scripture. Someone has said this is God's revelation of himself in black and white. And so we need to recognize that as we study this, as we give attention to it, This is where our hope is built. It's built on something that uh, is unchanging. It's consistent. If you ever want to do a study on how we arrived at the English versions we have, you realize it's hundreds of thousands, probably millions of hours of scholars researching to make sure that this is what was originally written. And so there is something very solid about our faith that has to do with faithfulness. God being faithful in revealing himself and that we can trust what this says is what came from God. But it's more than that. It goes on beyond that. It's peace. Peace that's experienced because we have taken what is here and we responded to it. Repentance. We've talked about that this morning even in communion that there is this ongoing need for us to be aware that we have missed the mark. We have not lived our lives exactly the way God would want us to. And so acknowledging that and embracing that and asking him to forgive us and moving into that place of peace where we know that we are right with God. And then he calls us, of course, to be right with each other. And that is one of the hard things to do because... It's one thing to, in your heart, acknowledge that you have sinned and talk to God. No one else knows about that. But the engagement with your neighbors, the engagement with your kids, the engagement with your spouse, whoever it is where you have done something wrong and you've had to go back to them and acknowledge that is hard. But the consequences of it is peace because it changes everything. Brenda and I have been married uh, 47 years. Well, okay, almost 47 years. And in those 47 years, I have done a few things wrong over the time. And you want to know something? Every time that happens, there's this sense of distance from Bren. Something's broken. Can't talk about things. He has to hold back. But when you step forward and acknowledge it, and in this case, Brenda 
reaches out, gives me a hug. All those walls are gone. And so this is an ongoing thing in our lives. It is not something that uh, can be once and done. It needs to be an ongoing part of our lives. Yesterday, we were cleaning up the house, getting ready for a big celebration today. My father-in-law is 90 years old. His birthday was yesterday. We had a little bit of family gathering. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm a bit of an introvert. I like my alone time. And so I thought I'd done all the things that Brenda wanted me to do. You know where this is going, right? So I sort of slipped away to do my alone time. Austin, I heard Brenda go, Jim, where are you? Ooh, that was bad. But acknowledging, it was hard to say, well, I'm back here relaxing. But to acknowledge it and then to say, what can I do to help? Change that. And we moved on and worked together for the rest of the afternoon in peace. We need to practice that on a regular basis. The next one, of course, after peace is joy. And we talked about the fact that joy really comes from us engaging in the mission that God has called us to. And one of the ways we talked about that was hospitality. That part of our role is to connect with the people around us. And hospitality is this idea of welcoming people into our lives with joy and curiosity. And so joy is this element of our lives and pleasing God. It's actually a little bit more than that. If you've ever heard of the Bible Project, just put in Bible Project. It'll come up.com. And they have word studies there. And they have the Advent word studies that's taking hope, peace, joy, and love and they've just sort of outlined the breadth of those ideas. Joy is not just serving with God, but joy is also knowing that He is present for us. He is around us. He is supporting us. He's encouraging us. And then finally this morning, I want to talk about love as experienced through the community of God's people. I don't have the, these next verses on online on a screen because I've added them late, late in the process. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're just going to pick up a couple of things to capture this idea that love is experienced through community with God's people. And it goes beyond that because we're going to be taking a look at the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. And the love that we experience really has to be translated over into loving our neighbors. But it starts with us understanding that there is a community, a group of people around us that we can engage with and get to know. And in that engagement and getting to know them, we start to find a place of security, a place where we can interact with each other and support each other, speak life to each other, encourage each other in everything that we do. And it becomes a place of acceptance, forgiveness, a place of love. So if you have your Bibles open in Ephesians, if you just go back to Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about the fact that Paul was writing this to a group of people. We sometimes make the mistake of reading through the letters from Paul 
as letters to individuals. And the reality is, is all of these books, letters written to the Galatians, to the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians, these, the Thessalonians, these are written to groups of people. And so when you read it, you have to read it in the context of community rather than for me myself. And so verse 3, I think it is, it says something like this. You have been given everything by God. There's a sense of all the resources of heaven are given to the church. Not to us individually, exclusively. But we can experience them in the body of Christ because as a community of faith, we have people amongst us who have different gifts and they're available to everybody else. We have people amongst us have different resources. And as the body of Christ, as we work together, we can share those resources. In other words, there is this collective gifting that God has given to the church. Now you want to jump into chapter 2. Chapter 2, starting at verse 8. I'm going to get this wrong because I have so many other verses in my head. But in chapter, or verse two, 8, it starts, uh, you have been saved by faith. Is that one, the right one? Yeah, okay. See, we can all make mistakes, right? We can have blank spots. Well, I can blame it on my gray hair. But the reality is, is that you have been saved by faith, right? It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And what are we talking about here? This is the church has been saved. And it's not just that we've been saved, but we have been saved to do good works. That's verse 10. It is talking about you as a community of faith who have been brought together to do the work of God. Yes, these verses can be used individually. You and I have claimed them individually. We have read them and saw them individually. But really, they are also about the corporate. They're about the, all of us together. And if you take the verses after verse 10 and you read through Ephesians chapter 2, it's all about how, because verse 11 starts off, therefore in some translations, not all of them. In some translations, therefore. If you have been saved for good works, therefore, you are being built together. And it goes on to talk about Gentiles being brought together with the Jewish nation, and you become one person, and or one community, one nation. And there is this unity working together for the purposes of God. And this unity results in a citizenship, a place of belonging. It results not only in a citizenship, but in belonging in the family of God. And not only are we being found in the family of God, but we are being built together as a place where God can live. That's all community. And so this idea of love is fully embraced, not individually, but corporately. Corporately, we have the ability to create an environment that allows the gospel to find its full expression in every one of our lives. Why is this important? Because you need to know that our witness individually is foundational in the church, in the community of faith. I do not have a ground to stand on when I talk about the gospel if I am not rooted in healthy relationships with other believers. 
I am not allowing other believers to have influence in my life. That is foundational to the gospel. So you can take verses like Jesus' command from John chapter 13, where he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. By this will all men know, people inside the church know, that you are my disciples if you love one another. That idea of being identified as his disciples is rooted in the fact that we get along with each other, that we work together. I got to tell you, uh, talking about uh, what happened last night with Tegler, uh, during our prayer time, it was commented on that uh, there were so many volunteers helping there, people from this congregation working together to serve that meal, to bless those families. You know what happened? One of the volunteers had three different family units come up and talk about an interest in faith in belonging to the church. Where is that rooted? Was that rooted in one person's testimony? No, it was rooted in the community's testimony. What you did collectively had a significant impact. And this is what we need to hang on to. The other verses from John chapter 17, Jesus was praying for unity. He prays for his disciples in the first 20 verses, and then he gets into verse 21, and he starts talking about, and for those who believe in what these disciples are going to say, for all of you, and then he goes on to talk about the fact that he's inviting us into unity, into working together, belonging to each other. He says this. It says that your unity... The fact that you are united with each other and united to Christ becomes evidence that God loves them. And the way it's written in John chapter 17, that loves them, can either mean loves the disciples or loves the world, that the world might know. And that is a a tool that God uses in the scriptures over and over again, where He makes a statement, and it has both meanings. It carries the weight of both. And so this idea of loving one another is critical to the uh, effectiveness of our ministries in the world. So let's go to Matthew chapter 22, because I want to take this now and jump us from our commitment to each other, our working together, to see how God would like us to do it in the world around us. Matthew 22, starting at verse 37. So Jesus is talking. Some people have been asking him questions. Uh, He stumped them with his answers. So one guy stepped up and says, okay, here's the true question. What's the greatest command? So Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the, law, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Do you notice what it's saying here? The first one is the easy one, right? It's not really easy because it really calls us to be obedient, to respond to him. But the second one is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Do you realize that our ability to love our neighbors is really rooted in our ability to get along with each other? We can do it individually. But I have to tell you, moving a person in a discipleship thing from someone that you know on the street, getting to know them, loving them, bringing them into faith, and then where do you take them? If you take them into an environment that doesn't love and care for each other, if you take them to a place where there is dissension, you're not leading them anywhere, are you? But if you have led this person to know Jesus, come to understand him, and then you bring them into a community of faith that loves Jesus also, you're creating an environment where that person also starts to feel the resources. All the resources of heaven have been given to the church. You read carefully through the book of Ephesians, recognizing that it's written about the church and to the church. There's this verse at the end of chapter 1 that says, everything has been put under Jesus' authority. You know what the very next statement is? For the church. And when you bring a new believer into this environment, all the resources of heaven are present in some way amongst us for that person. They're there for us, each other, and they're there for that person. So, I want to talk about what it means to neighbor. This isn't going to be very hard. But this is one of the, thing, one of the most effective ways we have for reaching out. I'm going to give you a, a key one. Yeah, go to the next slide. This is a little tool, an acrostic that has been used by a number of churches. Uh, if you want to look at a fancy model of this one, go to beulah.ca, and uh, they have it as one of the resources they have. But this idea of blessing people uh, around us is rooted here. So if you want to bless your neighbor, begin by praying about them, praying for them. Secondly, Start listening. Get to know them. It's one thing to bless your neighbor by praying for them, but what's the point of praying for them if you're not going to talk to them? Ask them questions. Engage with them. Why are you listening? As you talk to them, you start to hear the places where God has been working in their lives. It might show up just in the fact that they start talking about spiritual things with you. It might show up in the fact that they reveal something about themselves that allows you to say, can I pray for you? It might show up in some way that they show you a need in their lives, and you say, can I help you with that? But that listening is the tool that allows you to start to engage meaningfully with the people around you and start to build into their lives a kind of relationship that has impact, starts to shape them. This next one is probably the easiest of all. Eat with them. Just take time to eat with them. Invite them into your home. Invite them out for a coffee. Start a fire in the backyard and have a wiener roast. Doesn't matter. Okay, not today. Could be a little cold, but in the right time. But the idea is to engage them in casualness in some way that allows your lives to just start to fall open. You see... When you start paying attention to people and investing in them 
and you take time to spend with them just in eating, one of the things that happens is your life opens up to them as much as theirs opens up to you. It is a two-way street. And so we need to be engaged in that. Once you've done that, have you been listening and so on? You serve. You do things just to be alongside them. And then finally, you wait and pray for the opportunity to tell the story, your story, about how God touched you. But you talk about it in a way that is relevant to them, that meets something in their hearts. So you need to be asking the Lord, what is it you want me to share? How do you want me to speak to them? These are very simple steps. Michael Frost is a um, missional writer from Australia. He, wrote, uh, he did a similar thing with bells. Okay? So let me think if I can get it right now. So bells starts off with blessing, and then you eat, and then the last three, the double L and the S, are all about pursuing God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Learn about Jesus. Be sent by the Father. These are also five habits of a missional person. As a congregation, we have made a commitment to being missional, to reaching out. That's why Tegler is a part of what we do. We do it because we're a missional church. It's what we value, reaching out and touching the people around us. And these are simple things. Blessing, this acrostic to bless, or an acrostic bells. Believe, or bless, eat, listen, learn, and send. Now, let's make this a little bit uh, practical in terms of it. When you move into a neighborhood, what do you do to get to know your neighbors? How do you reach out? Well, if you do it in the wintertime, it's a little harder. But if you happen to move into a neighborhood in the summertime, it's as simple as getting out and just being on the street, going for a walk, walk your dog down the street, make sure you do it at a time when other people are out, and just start greeting people. And as you start to greet people, they start to interact with you. And if you show yourself friendly, most people show themselves friendly. And the end result is, is that you start to build a foundation of presence. This is a theological idea that we sometimes forget. That you have to make yourself present in the neighborhood. And making yourself present is letting people know who you are. One couple I know, they moved into a neighborhood... And sort of started to get to know people, but they said, you know, we want to go a little farther. We want to get to a place where we can get to know them a little deeper. And so one of the things this couple did is they bought four tickets for the Citadel Theater. And for each show, the week before the show, they would go to a neighbor and go, uh, we have four tickets and we can only use two of them. Would you like to join us? And so they started taking their neighbors to the Citadel Theater. They did it for a couple of years. Sometimes the neighbors would say, uh, well, let's go for lunch before or supper before. We'll pay for supper. You, you give us the tickets. And all of a sudden, they're eating together and conversation. And it opened up great conversations for them spiritually in the neighborhood. That couple moved away from that community uh, probably four or five years ago. And uh, they are still invited back every Christmas 
they still are connected to those people to pray for them and to be alongside them. What is it that you could do in your neighborhood? We know others in, uh, in town here that uh, there's a couple just over in Highlands. They moved into Highlands and they started saying, Lord, how can we reach our neighbors? So they started to be present in the neighborhood. They got to know some of the other Christians in the neighborhood. One day they got those group of Christians together and they said, how can we connect with our neighbors in a fresh way? So they decided that they'd do something a little different. They would do a community garage sale. You've heard of garage sales, right? So they did a community garage sale, but it was like this. The families that knew each other, they said, we'll do garage sales, but we're going to advertise, and but we're going to let everybody in the neighborhood know we're advertising. So they went around and they told everybody in their neighborhood, we're going to have a garage sale on this weekend. You're welcome to join us. We're advertising, so there'll be lots of traffic. I don't know how many homes in that neighborhood had a garage sale that day. But a part of it was, at the end of the garage sale, they had a block party. And people came into the community, got to know, and these guys selling started asking, well, guys, why did you start this? And one of the group said, well, we decided to have a community block party because we're raising funds to support a ministry in Africa. Really? Tell us about it. So they, at the, at the block party, they told them about this ministry. A number of those families came and said, can uh, we give to that? We'll take part of what we learned in our garage sale. And if you do this next year, call us. We want to be part of the planning. And all of a sudden, they started to have this community around them that was engaged in missional things, even though they didn't realize it. You see, being neighborhood, neighborly isn't just about getting to know your neighbors. Being neighborly is about bringing value to your neighborhood. Building a community that starts to be healthy and strong, starts to have inner resources. In other words, you're taking the kingdom of God that you've experienced in this context, and you're trying to establish it in your neighborhood. That's what we're called to. We're called to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to our world. And that's, yes, one person at a time, but it also can have an impact community-wide. And so I want to encourage you. When we read this, these verses that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, realize that that is a progression of God's love touching us, and more than touching us, shaping us, and preparing us to be able to love our neighbors. And as a community of faith, Cross Point Church, you are called to care and love each other, embracing each other, not just for yourselves, but so that you have a platform, a place to stand from which you can step out into your world knowing that it doesn't matter how the world reacts, you always have a safe place to come back to. You see, that's what living in Christ is about. It's about knowing who you are, knowing what he has called you to, knowing your value, 
And so you can step out into your workplace and take a stand, knowing that if things go south, you can step back into this community. You step out into this world knowing that things might go south, but knowing that there is the backstop of this community praying for you. You can invite that. It becomes a part of the support, the network that allows us to be effective servants of Jesus Christ. For myself, until I realized that the church was the key element for my evangelism, my evangelism was pretty stilted. But once I realized that I could live in this group of people who loved me and cared for me and would walk with me and partner with me in whatever I was doing evangelistically, all of a sudden, my ability to step out and serve the community around me changed. The confidence that I knew that, yeah, I could step out and serve, and if they didn't like it, that's all right. I had a group behind me that cared, that supported me, that walked with me. And so Advent really is about the gospel being established in us so that we can serve. Jesus Christ comes and lives in us. This is the beauty. There is this incarnation of Christ as a child. But now there is the incarnation of Christ in us, living through us in the community. And as we do what God calls us to do, we anticipate his return. This gospel of the kingdom will pre be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. Do you realize that? If you want to be a part of seeing Jesus return, well then, join him on the mission. Because once that gospel of the kingdom is proclaimed in a broad way throughout the world, the end will come. It's one of the reasons why he hasn't come yet. We haven't reached everywhere yet, have we? But it starts with us here, knowing who we are and what he has called us to, having the support system that enables us to go. I have to tell you, in the times we spent overseas with uh, missionaries, when they've come back and we spent time with them, one of the things that they will all talk about is the support and encouragement they have behind them. They can go to the unreached people of the world because they know there's a group of people walking with them into those places. And so I'd encourage you to pursue knowing Christ with the intention of joining them in mission and out of that recognizing that there's a community of faith around you that will support you and walk with you in that. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for the fact that you love us. But not just love us in a way that is a feeling, but Lord, you actually have built support systems around us so that, Lord, you can be working in us and through us, knowing that all of your resources are present to encourage us and to move us forward. Lord, come and be amongst us, we pray. Come and make your presence real. 
I thank you, Lord, for what happened uh, last night in Tegler and the families that were touched there. But, Lord, I would pray that you would continue to show us as a community of faith how you want us to be neighbors in this community. And then for us individually, Lord, we don't all live here, but we all live in neighborhoods. And so I pray, Lord, that you would teach us and guide us, praying for our neighbors, not just praying for them, Lord, but listening to them, getting to know them, eating with them, so that our lives can be open to them, serving amongst them, Lord, knowing that you are present. And I pray, Lord, that we would, uh, yeah, tell our stories, that we would come to the place where we feel comfortable to reveal to them your heart, your desires for them. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit that works in us individually and corporately. May we listen and let you guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.